All right, guys, welcome back to The Junction. Today, we're going to talk about normal. What is normal these days? No. Not you. Not me. <laughs> but uh, Sam Altman seems to think that he can, um, you know, like replace the normal person. Um, average, I believe, is what he... Oh, average, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't even know. What would you consider the average person, Mel? Actually, you're right. He says he uses the term median human. I think about like it back to my math class, mean, median, mode. mode. I, I always forgot until like the last second. I'd be like, oh, yeah, median is the middle. But yeah. so is mode. And anyway, I always, no, always got mode is up. the most of. Oh, the, yeah. The yeah. ones that show up the most. Yes. Yeah. So what did what did Sam? What did Sam Altman say that that got everybody such in a tizzy? I mean, he literally said he intends to replace normal people with A.I., so I think that begs that there's a lot of people that are like, what is normal? Yeah. What do you mean by average? Right. So all of a sudden you kind of put people on the defensive. Actually, when you sent this to me, because you're always kind of eye rolling at clickbait. I thought this is a little clickbaity. Little clickbaity. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought this was interesting. This there's an Oxford researcher in here on the Futurism article, and it says this is a hugely problematic leap to make. He says, because all of a sudden you're assigning agency, comprehension, cognition, or re reasoning to these mechanistic models. And I really like that. It's a really big, you know, wordy statement. But this idea that we can replace a normal individual, let's just call it the average, you know, the average Joe, is is a wild, a wild statement, right? Like, well, you're talking about feelings, right, of individuals. You're talking about what they're capable of doing, what they're incapable of doing. You know, just like what makes us human is now all of a sudden accomplished by whatever Sam Altman and and uh, team are coming up with. Like, how do you how how would you how do you I don't know how do you respond to that? How do you respond to saying, "Hey, Mel, I'm going to take the normal marketing person. I'm going to replace them." Like, what's your response to that? Well, of course, I don't believe that that's going to happen, or at least that's not something that I want to have happen in our capacity here. We are leveraging AI. So I continue to want to learn how to coexist with the tools because the more we can do that, um, maybe these average things are those things that you do learn in textbooks or in a more kind of a, uh, I don't want to say like a marketing position, but like an entry level um, some things that can be repetitive and often manual. That's what I think that maybe he's sort of getting at here. So if there's one particular quote in here about if you happen to live a median life, you could soon be out of a job. Mm. So that's got me thinking like, well, what is a median life? And this goes back to like, who's to, to say what a median life is. And if you have traveled at all in the last year outside of your city, certainly outside of the country, that looks very different depending on who you talk to. I mean, I, I just don't see a world in which like I, I'm just coming back from a vacation and I did my due diligence and did not work on vacation. And I got to interact with so many interesting people and started thinking about how I could tell their stories. And like, there's this just human element that you don't get. Like I wouldn't have gotten that if I was just interacting with some like AI server bot that was bringing me my meal. Um, so I don't know. There's like, 
the natural propensity for me to be interested in the other human being on the other side of the table, whether, you know, yeah, bringing me my, my dinner or I uh, want to understand uh, why you're an expert in the field of which that we work. And I just don't, I don't know. It's, that's, that's such a loaded question. What I was just as you were talking, I was thinking through like all the thing, all of the individual things that are possible right now. I'm thinking like, um, you know, like the voiceovers where they're replicating voices, and they're changing people's faces and video to look like certain people. Right. And now we're generating pictures and content and documents. Like you basically have all of the pieces to make a fake person that works remote feel extremely real. Like you get on Teams and or Slack Meet or whatever you're whatever you're zooming with, right? Somebody hops on, never met them before, but they just started, right? And they talk intelligently. Intelligently, they start delivering average content. And you're like, well, I mean, I guess they're great. You know, I don't know how much they're costing the company, but you know, like you know, I can ask this person to do something, and they end up doing it. Come to find out that 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 whole thing is AI, like. How does that make you feel? You know, like you were talking about building a relationship. Like if nobody told you we were talking to this AI person, right, thing, and you thought it was the person the whole time, like how does that make you feel? Like I feel like I just got uh, uh, bamboozled. Maybe. You might feel a little like you were a little fleeced, but I also that you've kind of got me thinking about, well, if if this individual uh, is helping to contribute to those same things that I'm measured against or we're working together to deliver, like co- let's just say in the context of marketing, like a collaborative piece, content piece like a blog post, um, if if I can't do it in a timely manner without the AI person um, or I can't do it at all, then I would rather do it in collaboration with the AI. Mm. Um, because I, I mean, I'm, I was hired to and am, am incented to develop content and whether, so like I said, given, given a choice between not having that as a resource or having that as a lower cost resource, I would take it. Okay, Mel. So what if you have, what if you have 10 bots, right? That are producing a like average amount of work. Like what they generate is just average is 10 workloads worth of work better than one Mel who is really superb at what she does. Like what's the, what's the scale there? Like this is maybe a little subjective because like fundamentally average is not something that I, you don't deal in average. (laughs) Not particularly. I mean, you're going to do it it really, really, really well. Well, okay. But maybe there is like a little bit of a mindset there, but I think no matter what your craft, like I'm just one of those people, like if you're going to do it, do really well. So yeah, I'd rather have one superstar than five average, but that goes against a lot of what, uh, you know, there have been over the last year or two, a lot of companies that have one way or another reduced their force. And you could argue there's been a lot of terms thrown around about cutting, uh, whether it's a budget or kind of cutting certain capacities. And so that's essentially what some of these companies, the message or the, the the message to the outsider looking in, they must have deemed that that function wasn't all that important mm. 
or maybe the people in those roles weren't all that effective. I realize that that is not always the case, and I'm certainly not trying to um, suggest that those who were impacted by these reduction in force, that they are not don't right. have valuable skills, but that is sort of the perception or even the spin or message. And so that's kind of what he's saying here is like, if you're just kind of falling into that category of what a business or leaders or corporate governance could see as average work, yeah, then you are in danger. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm scrolling through Sam's posts and on the 29th, He's replying to Ryan Peterson talking about deploying GPT-4 co-pilot. It it took them 30 minutes to do one task, and now they can do it in 20 seconds with a single prompt. That sounds awesome. We hear a lot about that. And then in parentheses, Sam's response, he says, of course. Uh, And he's talking about how uh, the systems are much better at doing tasks than jobs right now and giving people better tools to do their work faster often leads to qualitative changes in what they can do. Well, that makes sense. That's what you're describing. But then he goes on to say, of course, over the long run, we expect these systems will be able to do all of some of today's jobs and aren't trying to hide the ball on that. I'm confident we will find new and much better jobs when that happens. Like, if he's confident that we can re- replace entire jobs with with AI, like, and you're just if you're just that average Joe, like you better start skilling up or learning some kind of trade. Because telling you fly fishing, that's where my <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other take of this. Like if we just automate everybody's job, every single person's job, and it's all automated. We got Tesla bots running around. Your cars are driving you everywhere. Like everybody's gonna have so much free time that they're not gonna be able to make enough money to live. And that's where you get this kind of UBI idea. And I don't know. We're not really talking about that, but. Like, it'll be really interesting to see over the next decade or so, like, lots of people are now out of jobs because they literally have been, autom- like, the whole thing is not only just automated, but a- is AI a word? Can I say they AI'd it? Is that a thing? No? <laughs> Make it a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, I. it will be interesting to see where it goes, and that's where I go back to learning how to coexist with the tools mm. and staying on top of it because where a job can be replaced Um, It also creates a new role for someone to manage that AI strategy. You can't just, like, we've talked about this in earlier episodes. You don't just turn it on and let it ride. I mean, we, somebody still has to manage these strategies or these, the inputs and it has to course correct. So I definitely don't think we're there yet, Yeah. but you're right. 10 years, a lot can change. Well, you remind me of this other article that I saw today, um, and I, I think I think there's a couple of versions of this. But basically, one of the one of the professors or, or somebody at, at a university describes that we're now um, we're now basically teaching uh, these kids skills that will be obsolete by the time they before they even make it out the door, right? And Things are moving so quickly that all of these classes that we've we've come up with and basically learning how to code, like things are going to change so quickly that the time and money that you spend getting that degree are now, I won't say worthless, because um, there's things beyond you know just the, the classroom that are that go in with college, but like we're basically teaching kids the wrong thing because things are moving so quickly in in the industry that now what you've learned is irrelevant, mm-hmm. like. 
ML, how do I, how do we solve that? Like, how do we ensure that these kids are getting, you know, the, the skills that they need to thrive in the world that they're about to step into? So I've talked with parents about this, like how they're dealing with it. In fact, I was on a webinar a couple weeks ago with a parent who was disappointed that his kids' teachers were discouraging or in going so far as banning the use of ChatGPT mm-hmm. to get to conclusions, um, to help them develop, you know, inputs for assignments. And he has had very candid conversations with them in the home of, I want you to understand the tools. I want you to know how to use them. And, you know, gone so far as to say, if you're, you know, if we need to have a discussion with your educators about why and the value that I see and why we're adopting these tools in our household, I'm happy to have that conversation. Yeah. So it kind of goes to, I do think I, I'm not close to if this is being adopted by certain um, educators or not. I've read more articles about banning or use against, um, which I think a lot of companies went to in general. Venn Technology initially, we did discourage using the tools on our own um, systems with you know company-issued emails because we wanted to, of course, protect our data and our customer data. Uh, but I think we always kind of knew it was more of a let's like understand it before we go yeah. embrace it because we know right. how we are around here. Yeah. The second, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a tool. The second I build a new slide deck, y'all are like, I mean, it's like V1. I've got, you know, red text <laughs> box draft. draft. Yeah. And the, num- the, out num- the, door. the number of times where you said, is this ready to go? Can I use this? Or, you know, our, our sales team is, is sharing it with a prospect and they quick delete that draft box right before they flip to the it's next fine. slide. So, I mean, the minute we knew the minute we sort of rolled it out or embraced it, we were going to be full speed ahead. So I think that's where some of those educators are. My take again, uh, speaking from a place of, I don't have young kids in school, but I do think that the more that they can understand how these tools work. Uh, I mean, that that's kind of seems where, where things are going. Yeah. That's, um, that's one of the things that we were talking about earlier today is that if, if you're in that mode of, well, I'm going to wait and see what happens, you might be backing yourself into a hole. I was talking about Tesla and Ford and thinking about the strikes that are going on right now. Like, uh, Ford is Ford and and uh, GM and Stellantis are they're trying to reduce their cost uh, so they can be more competitive, right? And I think people are owed fair wages for you know what they're what they're working on. Um, but Tesla now is is screaming past these guys, right? In terms of the the AI that they've built, the neural engines um, around FSD. And how quickly they've gone from a nothing burger, right, to the largest automobile maker in the entire world. And they've done it in a span of less than, you know, 20 years or so. Whereas I was talking about Jeep, and Jeep's been around since World War II, and their autopilot type setup can barely keep me in the lines of, you know, of the road. Um, But the point is, like, you don't want to be the Ford, right? You want to be the Tesla. And Tesla went head on into the the electric vehicle. If you're sitting back like Ford, well, we're just going to wait and see how electric batteries work out. Like, you know, in, in five years or so, right, you as an individual or your company that you own and operate or the company that you work for, if they're 
pushing these things away, they're going to be the Ford in 10 years now, right, where they're trying to reduce costs to still be competitive, whereas the other company that didn't, they're going to be looking, they're going to be drowning in money because they're going to be beating their competitors left and right because they've automated everything, you know, and I think that's where your idea, Mel, of being like a co-pilot really fits in nicely because people, we're not going to unleash the AI to just go run a business and, you know, like check in every two weeks. Somebody's going to need to automate or after we've automated it, right, somebody's going to need to look over what it's done. It's going to tell them, well, actually go this direction, right? You're going to need that one, that one excellent, you know, supreme mind that's going to step in and be like, let's move these things like this, right? Like the chess master is going to move the pieces. Um, and you're going to need other people to review the work and ensure what the AI is doing is headed in that right direction because the AI doesn't, you know, isn't the visionary. It, I don't know if it will ever be the visionary. Maybe one day. And when we keep going back to, I think naturally because we are in the technology space um, by virtue of what we do, and we're talking about vehicles, um, I, I keep trying to think of scenarios where you can't quickly automate things like that. So I go to, um, there, there have been amazing advancements in like medical care, right? But there is so much of that system that is still not even remotely automated. Yeah. Like it's great. Like there have been amazing advancements made just even in the last couple of years with like the apps and how you can yeah. finally like book an appointment on your app and like all of your lab results show up in app. Oh, it's amazing. But like think about the, the people who check you in and oh. like the nurse who takes your blood pressure. I'm sure I know there's technology out there that can do these things, but the investment in for, for companies to go invest in that kind of technology, like seems like it would be yeah. more of an undertaking than hire, continuing to hire nursing staff that provide care in an environment oh, where totally. people want that human emotional touch. Well, I think that's why it's it's kind of like a decade of a timeline that we're talking about because we're going to come out with solutions that that can automate a lot of what people are doing, but it's going to take a decade for that company to to outgrow the behemoths, right? Whoever the behemoth is in your space you're not going to be able to do this over nine. It's still going to take time, but it's going to take a whole lot less time than yeah. what it did if you just tried to throw a bunch of human bodies at it. Well, if you think about the example of, you know, going to see your your doctor, right, and the amount of time that they feasibly spend or have spent looking through charts or, unfortunately, because they're back-to-back -back appointments, are just kind of quick looking at things. I mean, the last time I went to go get a physical was a few months ago. I was, you know, I always kind of like to geek out over like systems just to see like what, what yeah. they're using. Yeah. And I could see that there was even just a simple color coding system to flag like, oh, this was high, this was low, right? So something as simple as that, that's a technological advancement that is probably not AI. But can you imagine if they were layering AI on top of it to say, you know, Melissa Bell at this age is, and they could look back at your history and they could pull in risk factors and stuff and all the things that they know from practicing medicine and being, in t you know, being in their industry and looking at your chart. Now they can spend more time actually talking to you yeah, as the patient and right. making you feel important. Cause yeah. I feel like that people always, there seems to always be sort of a, 
Like if you're at least Baylor, Scott and White, they seem to have this insane commitment to like high, providing high level of service. I've yeah. noticed that the last few times I've been in. Yeah. And they like have you go around with this little card and they have a good system of following up for you to review. And it's clearly very important to them that you felt heard right. and cared for. Yeah. And like that's not – if they can help automate or surface information or bring insights to the providers – faster, they will hopefully be able to see, continue to provide more care to more people. Yeah. But then they're spending more quality time with you. Mm-hmm. I like your, I like your point that customer service is never going to go away. Nope. There's going to be a hard reject on this idea that this AI bot can provide me better customer service than a human. Like, yeah, maybe like tactically, but I'm never going to emotionally connect with, you know, like this bot over here. Right. I'm way more likely to emotionally connect with a doctor who's got several kids, right? And we can talk about the soccer game. Like the AGI over here, they don't care about that. They didn't, their kid didn't have a soccer game. They don't have any kids. They might tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. Hallucination. I gotta go go get my own kid. Hold on, I'll be right back. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, another example, uh, I was overhearing my husband on the phone the other day with a Wells Fargo uh, customer support rep and she was expressing genuine care. What sounded like genuine care because he was calling about a fraudulent attempt um, on his grandmother's account. And she was just so kind and personable. And maybe the AI will get there because it's going to ingest all these calls and it'll feel very like sweet and personable. I don't know. The only reason I'm calling is because I usually have like some crazy complex issue where something didn't work. And you want a neck to ring. And I need, well, I just need a solution, right? Yeah. Otherwise, I just do it on the website. You know, like a lot of these help, you know, like on the hold calls are like, oh, you can easily go to AmericanAirlines.com and but solve this I? problem. And I'm like, yeah, I was already there like 20 minutes ago and it didn't work. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, there was one other thing that I was going to talk about. You guys should definitely check this out. I think it's one of my LinkedIn posts. Um, Vercel, I think that's how you say it, Vercel.com. Go check it out. If if you're not technically inclined, that's okay. Connect with your your you know that your computer guy because the, your computer guy can definitely do this. But we we ended up deploying like a skin like ChatGPT internally, and one of the things that stuck out just I think this was yesterday. What is today? We're Monday. This this was Friday. Sorry, I'm losing track of time. One of the things that stuck out was. Um, we, I gave him access um, to to this tool to one of our guys, and it is it's very much like a chatbot. And he was like, "Man, I really wish I had this yesterday." And I'm like, "Okay, why? You know why?" And he's like, "What what I did in six hours yesterday? I just typed in the same question, and it did it in thirty seconds." And I was like, "Man, that's the that's the reason why you need to do this now." Yeah, like. Not that he wasted six hours, because I'm sure he learned a lot. Love him. He's awesome. Um, but if he could have done it in 30 seconds, like, what else could he have done in the five hours and 59 minutes and 30 seconds that he would have saved? It's and like, that's the thing that you need to be tracking. So I think there's two ways. I've gotten the question before. How are you validating, like, the use case for AI mm-hmm. and marketing? And how are you measuring, like, the ROI? And so on the things that you do regularly and you know, it takes me, it took my team eight hours to produce a blog post on average. Yeah. 
Then when you take a transcript, for example, we love this use case, mm-hmm. and you go write your blog post off your SME interview, and it takes you two hours. Yeah. Now I know I saved six hours. Yeah. So now I had a benchmark, and then I had, uh, because it already existed, where it doesn't exist, you have to think about how long it would have taken you, yeah. right? Because you can backtrack that as well. It's easy to go, okay, I haven't done that thing yet, but you write out the steps. It would have taken me eight hours to do something that took me 30 minutes. So that's where like he completed the six hour task. Totally. And y'all were able to get to that conclusion of that was the time savings. But even though it was frustrating for him to learn that he spent six hours on it, that's critical like data, like very simple data for you to go. And this is why we keep going. This is why we keep building. This is why we're doing this. All the things that we've been doing with our API key, right? We're tracking costs. It's been very small. And up to this point, it's cost us less than a dollar. And in I, total? In total. Well, maybe not in total. Last there month, There have definitely been some months where I thought like, oh, man, oh. I spent like $5 this month. Well, it's like, it's very little, right? And and I we were bashing on Sam earlier. I'm sure at some point this is going to bubble up and he's going to double our rates or something. I don't know. But... You take, I think, uh, you know, less than a dollar, and we spent six hours, right? He was he spent six hours doing whatever it was, right? Six hours times whatever your hourly wage is for you yourself, or right, or for your employees. Like, man, that's a massive amount of money in terms of like less than a dollar or six hours of time. It did take you. Now that was that's like hard cost. It took you time to actually go build the thing. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, well, on Versal, I deployed it in like ten minutes, so it didn't take that much time. Um, but again, I just deployed a, re- a repository that was already built, so somebody else put in some time. I'm excited. I'm ready to get in there. Like, I'm, I'm ready for us to start using this and totally seeing how it goes. Well, guys, if you want something like what we're doing, give us a ring. Uh, you can always email us at thejunctioneventtechnology.com. Uh, we're all ears. Uh, feel free to hit us up in our DMs. Also, if you want to hop on the podcast and talk uh, talk about these topics or tell me how wrong I am or tell Mel how awesome she is, uh, we would love to have you on the show. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a set of headphones and a microphone just for you. Give us a ring, give us a holler, and uh, yeah, guys, we'll see you next time. Keep it automated. (laughs) Peace.